Marco Inero, and welcome to Shift of One, a podcast about speedy race cars. I am Drew Scanlon. Joining me, Danny O'Dwyer. Welcome back. How are you? Great. I made it this week. Apologies. What was I doing? Something happened. I'm moving house. It's all very complicated over here. <laughs> Can you see all the boxes behind me? Oh my God. Moving house. Uh, staying in one place for the time being. Rob Zachney. How are you, Rob? Not too bad. It looks like Danny's about to get thrown out, honestly. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, me and my, me and my wife have having some problems. Uh, she took the video games, <laughs> the TV, took, the speakers, the memorabilia, <laughs> all the things that a vindictive spouse would take. My race wheel. Yeah. Everything oh, I've no. ever loved, Rob. Not that. Uh, uh, it's great. Yeah, in two weeks' time, I'm going to be in Oakland, so it's... Uh, it's all all hands on the pumps here in Casa Udwar. Um, but I did get to listen to last week's podcast. Um, uh, yeah, and before we start, I want to say great job on all the, uh, especially on the horrific task of having to talk about what happens to uh, poor Antoine Hubert. Um, yeah, and I mean, before this race weekend started, I was worried we were going to have a similar conversation, which I'm sure we'll get into before we talk about F1 stuff. Uh, yeah, and uh, thank you for that. Uh, and if you are are new to this podcast, first of all, welcome. Uh, and if you're new to Formula One itself, we do recommend listening to our preseason primer episode, uh, which assumes no prior F1 knowledge uh, and sort of gives a lowdown on how the sport works and who everybody is. So if you want to listen to that, uh, it's episode 59 for uh, the year 2019. Also, the show is supported entirely by our audience at patreon.com slash shift F1. Uh, every month we release at least one bonus podcast and bonus video exclusively for our patrons. Uh, Danny is holding up some video games that uh, I assume are on the list. Yeah, they're coming. Uh, <clears throat> apologies again. Last month we didn't get one out, so I've got a couple of classics here. A lot of work's been put into making sure I can. Uh, I had to source these and then also uh, source the machines to play them on. Um, but I have F1 2000 on the PlayStation 1. Wow. Um, and F1 Career Challenge on the PlayStation 2. Wow. Uh, it's kind of the end of the PS1, start of the PS2. So, uh, Is that yeah, JPM gonna... on Career Challenge? I think it might be. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to playing these. Uh, I don't know why it's not just Michael Schumacher on all of these, but, you know, <laughs> couldn't afford them, I guess. Uh, so, yeah, if you'd like to get access to uh, to those weird videos, our bonus podcast, we've got one coming up. Again, we're, we're finishing off Drive to Survive this month. Um, you can get that over at patreon.com slash shift F1. Um, uh, by the way, actually, um, I was at PAX, uh, the video game expo oh, yeah. in Seattle. A lot of people came up to say they were uh, shift F1 fans. And uh, the two things that they kept saying was, uh, one, uh, thank you for getting Rob on the show, which I completely agree. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, uh, a lot of people have gotten into this, have picked us picked up this season in particular because of drive to survive like so many people came up and said either they'd gotten their partner or they themselves had finally uh watched and then of course there was like maybe four or five people who came up and said that they have still never watched an f1 race um but they listened because they're all giant bomb fans (laughs) so shout out to (laughs) shout out to all those folks as well but yeah thanks so much for everyone for coming up and saying kind words it was uh super cool that's awesome i mean drive to survive next season uh is going to be oh my god (laughs) it's gonna be so good uh, but let's uh, let's get into this race weekend, which is certainly going to play a large part uh, in that documentary series. Uh, first of all, we've got some engine penalties before even um, qualifying started. Verstappen, Norris, and Gasly will all be required to start from the back of the grid due to changing uh, multiple power unit elements. Uh, practice one was very wet. Uh, yeah. Raikkonen and Perez both crashed. 
Um, Every, like loads of people spun. Like a lot like of spins. Ten people. So it was yeah. The first chicane was a was a bit of a nightmare for everyone. And uh, the nightmares continued in qualifying one. Uh, Perez retired with engine trouble, probably related to that crash. Um, and Verstappen also had some engine trouble uh, in Q1, but you know he'll start from the back of the grid anyway. Uh, qualifying two. Uh, Norris gives Signs a toe, so Signs gets through to Q3. Like we said, this track is very um, slipstreaming is a big deal here, so yeah. uh, everyone is trying to uh, to get toes going, which is where one driver sort of punches through the air, uh, and the other one drafts behind and gets um, a big a big speed advantage. And uh, I, I did want to point this out here because I think it bears mentioning that some teams. Uh, like I know Mercedes for sure does this. They trade off who's going to get the toe from race to race. Um, they they alternate, and um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's something that they I think they're pretty good about surfacing. The commentators are about uh, when when teams are going for that, but here especially it is a big deal, uh, and especially in <laughs> in qualifying oh my three. Oh my god! Um, I've got I've got a, a fairly. <laughs> <laughs> like the description of this do you want me to just run down it here yeah please okay i've never seen anything like this in my life it was amazing so all right qualifying you've got enough time during your session to basically do two big two real runs right two flying laps you know you, you get out there you do your out lap and then you go for your flying lap you come back in change some things and you have time to go out for one more so for that first round of fast laps, uh, folks are going around setting times when suddenly Raikkonen smashes into the barriers and we get an immediate red flag. So that means that some people don't get to set a time in that first round uh, because by the time Raikkonen crashes and the red flag comes out, they haven't finished their lap yet. So Botas, I think, is the last to cross the line before the red flag comes out. But uh, Albon and Stroll have to abort their laps because it's all red flagged. And of course, Raikkonen doesn't set uh, a time. Um, so for them, it's all down to the last round. And the last round is also when, you know, you've made your adjustments and the track is heating up, it's rubbering in, it's, and it's generally you exceed your time. So the last round is really important. But because this is a track where slipstreaming can make a huge difference everybody wants to have that toe so no one wants to be first right because they're the one pushing the air out of the way hulkenberg is the unlucky one who gets out of the pits first so he's going really slow to try to convince someone else to blink first and pass him uh because remember the the clock is ticking down and, and on, there's not much left right there's like 150 or it's something like a like that. yeah minutes yeah 45 or something um so if you don't start your flying lap by the time the clock reaches zero, you don't get to do one because the clock expires and then you pass the finish line, you're done. Yeah, you don't have to have completed your lap right. by the time that you just have to have started the lap by the right. time the clock reaches zero. So Hulkenberg is so desperate to get behind somebody that he actually takes the runoff area <laughs> at the first chicane, hoping yeah, someone's the, yeah, he's gonna go by himself. You know, it just happens. Sometimes <laughs> you're coming out of the pit super slow, and you just you miss you miss the breaking point. <laughs> Twenty miles an hour, yeah. <laughs> uh, but even, that doesn't even work. So by now, people are starting to figure out that they might actually run out of time. So eventually, and, and there's like how many cars here? There's like there's like there's, all ten are out. Uh, it'll be nine because Raikkonen crashed. 
Okay, yeah. And so they're all just really, really close, bunched together. But Signs says whatever and just goes because uh, he realizes that he's not going to have enough time. He's sort of in, he's in the front of the pack. Um, and then there's sort of this moment of panic. Uh, and it's almost like the race has started because now everyone wants to make sure they can reach the finish line in time to start the lap. So a lot of jockeying. There's a good uh, YouTube video, which I will link to in the show notes um, on F1's YouTube channel, of all the engineers coming across the radio saying like, hey, you need to go now. <laughs> Um, but guess what? Only signs is able to reach it by the time the finish line, by the time the clock ticks down. I think Leclerc also, um, manages to, to, to get in before the time ticks over, but I think he, uh, aborts his lap. So at the end of this, eight drivers get shut out. Signs is the only one going around by himself. Uh, and everyone else just has to stick with what? They got. And in the case of uh, Albon and Stroll, they technically didn't even set a time at all. Uh, so Sainz just going around by himself. Unfortunately, he can't improve his time. Um, <laughs> yeah. But there's, there's two things, two potential alternate futures uh, that could have happened here that I would have loved to see. One, Sainz getting pole position, which would have been amazing. Oh, my gosh. Totally. Um, and there is a world where that happened, right? Maybe not at this track, but or in maybe a wet session. If something similar happened... Um, uh, and then what if everyone just made it across the line, right? And now we're all like a NASCAR pack trying to do qualifying times. I think that would have been amazing. That would have been an absolute disaster. I think the, the, it was funny listening to some of the, the interviews afterwards of like, what was happening was kind of like each team was having its own dilemma. Like Leclerc was in the wrong spot. He was supposed to let Vettel or get get ahead of Vettel but he was behind him there was other people who were like they were trying to jockey for position while also trying to do the math of where their teammate was but also trying not to crash because at one stage there were like there were like four abreast almost going around Curva Grande it was yeah. like a it was like the procession you, you do for the fans after a race they were, except even then they wouldn't be on top of each other so it was really funny watching them all like trying to do the math and then obviously being shouted about by their engineers as well and there was like just a a tone of like like embarrassment in terms of the drivers and kind of a mixture of embarrassment and like anger in the engine with with all the team principals that they interviewed afterwards like everyone was kind of like oh you dum-dums even uh, martin brundle said come on guys or something when it happened (laughs) like it was absolutely absurd and hamilton uh i think just after that happened, he said on the radio, that's an interesting tactic to keep pole position. You just don't need to do the lap. <laughs> I don't... To me, it doesn't seem like Ferrari did this on purpose. Um, but he does kind of have a point. Like, if you... This this isn't how it's supposed to go, right? Uh, Will Buxton actually pointed out on Twitter that in the Formula 3 race, something similar happened. Um, and they issued, I think, 19 penalties... Oh, my God. So, uh, if, you know, they would have done that here, you would have had, I think, Raikkonen and Giovinazzi on the front row. Alphas, man. It's their time to shine. Yeah. So, I, I really hope they don't change qualifying because of this. And I I would I, be surprised if they did because that's a very old, like, Bernie sort of knee-jerk reaction um because while this was a hilarious disaster it was it was all ever there it was their own fault so uh, yeah it, think, it, uh, it was kind of an oddity like a confluence of of events that led to it uh 
Yeah, and, um, and also now they have the muscle for it. Like, if it happened again, they'd, they wouldn't let it happen. I feel like somebody would bite the bullet or... Yeah, and uh, Hogenberg um, signs and Stroll were all issued reprimands. So right, yeah. it's something that, you know, I don't <laughs> I don't exactly know how impactful those reprimands are, but at least the stewards are, you know, uh, showing that they, they, uh, they're, they're watching you. A um, few penalties after this. Perez will start from the back of the grid also for power unit changes as a result of his uh, Q1 uh, stoppage. Uh, and Raikkonen had to uh, fix his car under park Ferme conditions, so he will start from the pit lane. Um, as a result of of that accident so uh anything else from pre-race stuff you guys have uh the only thing i wanted to bring up was the um ridiculous incident that happened in formula three i'm not sure if we want to talk about that after this one or i guess it had happened it had an impact on this race in, in that the track was changed um but there was a uh did you did you all did you guys see this did the, the i did crash? yeah it was yeah, yeah there was a i guess it was on the parabolica those what do we call them sleeping placement or the the sausage um, curb the sausage curbs that that are there uh there was a uh, pretty ridiculous um crash that again they hadn't you know in the same manner we had at spa they weren't showing replays of this alex peroni crashed on the exit of the parabolica um uh, and it, uh, you know in a way that kind of made no sense because he was in the barriers but there didn't seem to be much in the way of gravel or impact on the barrier it was kind of a bit of a freak thing but they weren't showing replays and then eventually they did because he got out uh, of the car and i guess he, he had gone a little bit wide on the, the parabolica but he had he had struck one of those um baller sorry sausage curbs in a manner that it lifted up the front of the car and then had there was like a second impact on the rear of the car and it was just one of those it was like an indie crash wasn't it it was just it, like it looks like he tore the floor off yeah I, yeah i think it was i think that was left like flying in the wind after he uh oh so sort of after, like a pole vault dynamic yeah yeah and it just catapulted him i've i've never seen a, it, it, you know somebody else actually said this to me it reminded them of the um you know the classic weber crashes that he had in mm-hmm. uh what it was i forgot what he was driving in endurance racing i think was it yes. where the car just completely aerodynamics do the opposite of what you want them to do and the car just flips uncontrollably like just gets unbelievable lift um if anything the catch fencing probably helped peroni walk away from the accident but there was quite a number of um, marshals behind that as well who also escaped injury um probably because of the the fence that was there uh so uh, yeah th- thankfully they um you know everyone walked away from it fine there was there wasn't uh, much of a um backlash from it or anything uh no lasting damage to any any personnel either um but they basically immediately got rid of, rid of a sausage curbs um for the the rest of the weekend so i think that was on the saturday they were uh, meant to keep people from exceeding track limits uh at at parabolica and in fact uh in q3 sebastian fettel appeared to exceed those track limits. Yeah. I forgot um, on that lap. Did, did that lap count? I remember watching it thinking, it did. oh, it did yeah. count. So okay. that what he, and that put him in fourth place. And then he was, uh, of course, uh, unable to set a second one. Um, and I have a... <laughs> Motorsport.com has a uh, an article sort of going into why he escaped uh, a penalty there. And it's really weird because there is... There are rules in the f1 regulations describing 
um, track limits. And then the uh, race director, Michael Massey, issued a note specifying the track limits um, at Monza. But (laughs) due to like some legalese, those conflicted with each other. And so here's what the stewards said as a reason for not um, giving Vettel a penalty. Quote, the stewards reviewed multiple camera angles, some of which appeared to show that the tires were not in contact, which is their the phrase in the uh, regulations. They were not in contact with the white line of the track edge. However, other angles appeared to show that the part of the front wheel, and this is verbiage in Massey's note, when viewed from above, may have been within the bounds of the white line. This casts an element of doubt which is considered significant enough to give the benefit of the doubt to the driver in question. So the wheel, they are agreeing that the the wheel touching the part of the track was beyond the white line. However, that's not where the tire ends because you've got that little curvy part that goes right. outside of the tire. And when viewed from above, that constitutes a, quote, wheel and so that was technically above the line. Is he when they're saying view from above? Are they talking about the helicopter shot? No, I think they're talking okay. about if if one were to view the tire from above, right, okay, it would okay, be okay. eclipsing the white line. Right. God, that's okay. I mean, you know, if 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 he did it by a hair's breadth, then I guess that's fine. But that's 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 bananas. When did they did they do that? They must have done it after qualifying then. Uh, yeah, I think so. Had to. Yeah. All right, so here's That's the starting cool. grid. Charles Leclerc, pole position uh, in Monza. Lewis Hamilton. A race, a race Ferrari have not won in many years, maybe seven or eight years, something, right? Yeah, I think you're right. Um, the certainly last five, I think, were Hamilton, Hamilton, Rosberg, Hamilton, Hamilton. Right. Uh, and Hamilton will start Rostock this race sandwich. in second position. <laughs> Valtteri Bottas in third. Sebastian Vettel in uh, fourth. And Daniel Ricciardo in fifth, followed by Nico Hulkenberg. The Renaults starting yeah. fifth and sixth, uh, looking very strong this weekend. Carlos Sainz in seventh. Alexander Albon in eighth. Lance Stroll starting ninth. And Antonio Giovinazzi starting tenth uh, after that... Um, uh, penalty for Raikkonen having to start in the pit lane due to changing components on his car from his crash. Behind them, 11th, Magnussen. 12th is Kvyat. Uh, 13th is Roman Grosjean. 14th, George Russell. 15th, Robert Kubica. And we've got Norris, Gasly, Perez, Verstappen, and Raikkonen. Danny, do you want to take yes. us through the start? Sure. Um, all eyes on, you know... The Tafosi looking at their 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 man in the front wanting to get that win um, with a bunch of Mercedeses behind them uh, and Vettel in quick succession. Uh, all of them had good starts. Hamilton stronger than Leclerc, but Leclerc's it looked uh, you know it's it's a it's I think three times longer to the first turn than it is at Spa, so you've got more to sort of more to lose or more to gain, I guess, depending on how your car set up. The Ferrari had pretty strong straight line speed against. Um, uh, the Mercedes all weekend and Leclerc was able to get a good uh, amount of speed in his or grip in his tires and, and speed to sort of fight off Hamilton's um, start which was marginally better um, with the way they went into that first turn Leclerc sort of had it covered off Hamilton 
um, was on the inside. So Botas ended up swinging around and overtaking Hamilton on that first turn. Uh, he kind of, I guess, I'm not really sure if he over egged it a bit, but I think Hamilton just had a better line exiting turn one on that chicane and was basically past uh, Valtteri uh, at the a- end of the egg, uh, apex on the second turn. Um, the only other incident that sort of happened in that part of the track was a k- kind of a bizarre one. And, you know, another... Verstappen had a pretty, you know, disastrous start to the Spa um, uh uh, race which you know we can analyze and have analyzed right you know to death and, and seeing how culpable he was or whatever but this one was weird i it took me a couple of replays to really figure out what was going on but he he kind of just like he was pretty conservative at the back of the pack while everyone was bunching up maybe he's not used to being at the back of the pack and just how slow uh, the entrance into something like a chicane at the start of a race is. Um, but he was going pretty slow. And then I guess he just got caught out by how much deceleration Perez had in front of him. And he actually exited. Like he didn't he didn't lock up his brakes or anything. He just like pulled to the left and jumped on the grass. Like he just got out of the way. Um, I think he clipped Perez. And did Perez hit Stroll in front of him? Did, did, did both racing points get tapped? That I don't know. An exchange, but um, it ended up, yeah, Verstappen sort of had to... He didn't even take the exit road. He had to get onto the exit road. Um, uh, Perez did as well. Verstappen had messed up his front wing pretty badly, um, which was, uh, yeah, just a strange little incident. And then a couple of uh, turns, you know, down the road at the front of the pack, there was a fantastic overtake by Nico Hulkenberg on uh, on Vettel into the uh, the first turn of the second chicane, which was worthwhile. But, um, yeah, what did you guys think of that Verstappen thing? Yeah, Rob. Um, yeah, I think actually, Danny, you have a pretty good analysis of it. To me, it was one of those things where at first I was like, he must have gotten tagged from behind. But then it right, occurred yeah. to me there probably there there shouldn't be anyone behind him. He's at the very back of the grid. So how does he end up botching this? And I think it probably is he just has no idea how much it's a bit like when you're in dense traffic and like the difference between re- thinking traffic is slowing down and the moment you realize it is stopped in front of you is very easy to misjudge. And I think that's what he did here. I think it's a different sort of mistake than last week. Last last week, he is trying to make up a ton of positions uh, at the first corner. He's trying a really high-risk thing, uh, trying to find a line. There's there's no – there's where, where one doesn't exist. Here, yeah, he is attempting to be conservative. It just feels like inexperience with what it is like to be at the very back – of the pack here and he ends up getting it wrong. Um, I think, I think he recovered as best he could. Um, I think it could have been way, way worse. I'm glad he didn't torpedo uh, (laughs) into the back of anyone, Mm -hmm. but it does seem like um, his starts in the middle of the pack and beyond, like he seems to really struggle with being in traffic. Uh, someone who's excelling um, with uh, <laughs> inter uh, inter traffic or not? Uh, it wasn't really in traffic, but it was early in the race, and everyone's really close. Albon uh, pulls yeah. a Ricardo on Carlos Sainz, uh, a really great ballsy move down the inside. Um, but Sainz fights back immediately. Uh, I was I was pretty impressed with him actually to be able to to take back the position and kind of fight Albon off the road. I, I, I wasn't really, I didn't really come down on a whose fault this was 
Um, I thought it was maybe optimistic of Albon to expect signs to move over for him. Yeah, especially considering where it was, it seemed strange, right, Rob? Like the first Lesmo is not somewhere, like the the the, the shallow, the narrow angle of that turn is not exactly great for overtaking, and it precedes an area of the track which is actually quite advantageous for overtaking. Like it seemed like a, you know, maybe he should have backed off a little bit so he had to jump on him on the second Lesmo. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm, I am torn about this. This is mm. one of those broader. What sort of racing do we want? What are we aiming for here? And I think this is something that the that we need to get at least clearer answers on in the off season, because if we're holding to that standard of you should leave a car's width through corners, you need to give people racing room. Then signs was out of bounds, and if we're and I, and that's a, that is not a bad approach to take because it's not like. Albin was being a bit optimistic, but at the same time, he was only behind by like a nose as they entered into this corner and arguably was carrying a bit more speed. So it's not a crazy thing to think I can take the outside line. The thing that Les- that, that make the Lesmos curves uh, tricky is that really it's one, it's one move, right? Ideally, you want to treat it as one line and pick up speed through the Lesmos if you get it right. Uh, but... They're very easy to get wrong because they're pretty forgiving. Like, if you do cut that shallow inside line, you'll negotiate the corner just fine. You're just screwed for the entry into the second, and that mm. hits you on the uh, short straight down to Ascari. Um, I guess dog legs, so it's not perfectly straight, but you get the idea. Mm. Um, so I think by that standard, leaving somebody racing room, I think Signs probably was a little bit out of bounds. He certainly seemed to think so. Apparently, he radioed immediately to the pit wall uh, saying, like, Ap- apologize to Alvin. I didn't mean to do that uh, because he just didn't know he was there. Oh, um, wow. okay. So he like Signs felt a little bit culpable with the move. He also said you thought it was fair racing, which I, which I agree with. But in terms of uh, how do we interpret an incident like this? I think ideally we want to get to a place where somebody can make that move that Albin is trying to make. Because what we need are more corners where some kind of pass is possible. And if the argument can always be, well, you know, at that part of the track, the line naturally closes the door on the outside. Therefore, you shouldn't have even been there. Then that's going to get us to, again, more and more uh, F1 racing where defensive tactics reign supreme. And it becomes always easy to justify why somebody screwed over another driver in terms of racing room and forced them to bail out. I think that comes up later in this race, as a matter oh, of yeah. fact. Um, so I get, I think it's one of those really interesting judgment call uh, situations because I don't think signs did anything terribly wrong. But I think this is kind of one of those tests where should Albin passing on the outside here be something that is possible in the version F1 we're trying to build? I think yes. Uh, so then the question is, how do we enforce a standard like that? Because the other thing in F1 is you don't get too many do-overs, right? Like mm-hmm. you kind of, with the with tire wear, you get a couple shots to make overtakes like this, and then they don't come back, and you have to do it somewhere else where it's not so hard on your tires. So I think it's an interesting moment. Uh, I think it was some good racing, um, but I would like to see, I would have liked to see the, the move go through. Yeah, speaking of uh, Ricardo-esque moves, Ricardo uh, has the pace on Hulkenberg, who, you know, as we said, passed Vettel on the opening lap. Uh, Vettel quickly took the position back, but um, 
Ricardo passes his teammate on lap five uh, pretty easily, it seems. Um, yeah, I, I, it just looked to me like he had the had the pace there. Um, yeah, Daniel, Daniel has priors with crashing into teammates on straights when they're in good points earning positions too. So I think <laughs> they true. were I think they were pretty uh, pretty uh, pretty uh, forgiving on that one. Well, I've heard then, best behavior. They're not going to be teammates after this. So I think I think there was an, also an element of like, oh, it's been so good being teammates with you. We should have been better friends. Signing the yearbook thing. Like, <laughs> let's hang out this summer. <laughs> I think there's an element of that happening at uh, yeah. Renault right now. Uh, last detail. Albin, after being pushed off, he comes back on behind Magnuson, which becomes relevant later. Yeah. Ah, okay. Uh, and I think he gets uh, that incident uh, no further action from the stewards on uh, right. Albin and Signs. Um, all right, who wants to take lap six? I, I don't mind. I can do it if you want. All right, go for it. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I guess the camera cuts to Vettel, um, who has spun, and he has spun on. I guess we'll call it the second t- motion on Ascari, right? Okay. The, the left-hander. Is this um, the same place as last year? Where did he spin last year? I can't remember where he spun last year. It, 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 mine, it, it looks is. exactly. It is. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, was it on the exit? Was it on the? Did he crash on the exit of it though? On turn eight? Because that's a, that's an area where I've seen people spin. This is a. This is like on the on the the long turn, like the, oh, the, the uh, right hander. After after Lesmos. Yeah. Yeah. But okay, not, yeah, not yeah, on the lost, initial. He lost yeah. at Secunda uh, last year. Okay. I think. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I think this may have been a different place. So he, um, yeah. So he's 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 beached a little bit on the grass of it. So his his car is like his, the the front wing is sticking out on the track. Um, so he's gonna have to make a motion to get back on the track, but it shouldn't be that crazy an angle. He's at a, he's basically at a ninety degree angle to the tarmac as well, right to to the asphalt. Um, so he starts a motion to re-enter the track where. A number of cars overtake him, so I'm guessing it was the two Renaults, and I don't know who else was in that little bunch behind them. Someone else who was behind them, um, and he's spinning up his tires in a manner to. It looks like you'll see this a lot in, say, Baku or uh, Monaco, where there's not really much room for cars to do rotations. These cars don't rotate very well, uh, especially at slow speeds. Um, so they'll light up the back tires in practice or qualifying usually to try and basically spin around a little bit um, uh, fast uh, on their on the, on the on a dime basically. So he, it looks like he's attempting to do that. Um, it doesn't quite work, and he effectively like moves out, blocking the racing line uh, just as Lance Stroll is coming around. He strikes Lance Stroll's. Is it rear right? Does he actually hit him? I think yeah. he hits. Well, the, Stroll the runs over. Uh, Vettel's wing right Stroller also has taken evasive action by the time he has been hit so he's already getting out of the way still gets hit spins ends up on the um, going through the the runoff uh, straight away on his team radio complaining that he obviously got hit Uh, very reckless move from Vettel Um, but then almost immediately does either rush of blood to the head or just couldn't see i'm sure we'll get into the in the analysis um he effectively does the exact same thing to pierre gasly who is so vettel has overtaken him a number of other cars have overtaken him um and then he he comes out he uh, accelerates out himself again maybe trying to light up the tires to get a bit of spin off of it gasly can thankfully see him much better than the others could see uh vettel um 
uh, maybe he's been told on radio as well. I don't know. There's probably yellows out by the time this uh, has happened. Um, and Stroll moves out. Gasly evades into, thankfully, what is a sort of a, a, a relatively forgiving runoff to the right of the exit uh, of uh, the last turn of Ascari. So, uh, yeah, he, the, you know, he keeps going. There's not a crash per se, but there's definitely an incident there that Stroll is responsible for forcing somebody uh, off the track as well. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I'm interested in what you guys have to think. Um, should we talk about the, the Vettel, Vettel incident first? Yeah, uh, I think watching it again, at first I was like, well, what, why? Why would you do that? He's right. You can see he's right there. Um, why would you, uh, you know, just vault onto the track when another car is coming? Um, it's like watching a car crash in slow motion. You can see it's happening. Yeah. When he pulled out, you're like, no, 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 no. You know what I mean? Like you just, you wanted to like tell them to right. not do it. And I think there's two, two things uh, stand out to me. One, how, how well can Fettel see what's coming? Because he is, so his back tires are on the inside of the turn, right? And looking to your, oh boy, looking to his left, he can kind of see uh and and brundle was pointing this out you can't really turn your head 90 degrees in in a formula one car because those um those pads are right next to your head right Mm. uh so there's that but also i i think he went as soon as he stops moving from his initial spin he's uh accelerating the tires right and i i think he continues through that uh in part because he wants to get back onto the course as fast as he can but also because he doesn't want to get beached so I think there's a, you know, he's in the grass and his front tires or his rear tires are in the grass. His front tires are on the track and the, um, uh, the clearance of a formula one car is really, really low. So it's very easy to maybe, uh, get, um, stuck on, um, you know, a curb or something, uh, you know, touching your floor and you're unable to go forward or back. Uh, so I think he wanted to keep up the momentum as much as possible and maybe just like crossed his fingers and hoped that no one would right. uh, come around. But of course, that is not a safe way to rejoin the track. Um, if he know. wanted to rejoin safely, like this is most F1 teams will have multiple like people around the track. They'll have spotters. They'll have there was already problems with radio during. I think it was maybe practice or maybe it was qualifying. I think Hamilton lost or no GPS was gone. Right. So like you tend to have people, you'll have personnel out on the track. They have engineers who are watching the TV screens, but they're also getting data and all this other stuff. So like if he, if the safety was his priority, the tools were there to help him get over the issue of having some sort of, uh, you know, if this happened, not in racing conditions, he wouldn't have done what he did. But it did happen in race conditions. So can we blame him for doing what he did? I don't... That's kind of where I'm coming from. Right. I didn't realize until this that, like, the Hans devices impede, uh, like, sideways motion of the head Mm. so much. Uh, So in addition to the pads being there, like, apparently it's just... These guys can't really crane their necks around to get a great view of... And they have a huge blind um, spot as well. Right. Exactly. Um, And, it like, knowing that, I do wonder... I think it's more of a thing that Indy introduced to continue running at speed at ovals. 
uh, safely, where you have a spotter who just talks to the driver throughout the race. F1's gone in a very clear direction, though, of saying, well, you have to drive the car unassisted. I don't know whether a spotter breaches that, but what they certainly don't have is this notion of somebody who has an immediate direct line to the driver who isn't the race engineer, somebody whose job it is to just look at course feeds cameras and like let them know what is around you um and i'm not sure that is entirely necessary for f1 but in a situation like this um clearly somebody needed to be advising him on whether or not what he was trying was trying was safe because even if this happens on like lap 35 when the field is more more uh, strung out lap times are still short enough that like monza's not a short track but it's very fast um, how many generous breaks in the traffic are there going to be where you can rely, where you are certain that you are clear and you can move in? Uh, I don't know. I, I, it seems like no matter what, if you can't make that turn safely, if you can't see, that's, that's always going to be dangerous. Um, but what I do have a hard time forgiving is we're literally a week away from where a driver was killed, uh, in a broadside collision. Hmm. Um, and it is lap seven. It's not lap 35. It's lap seven. And you do know the field is bunched. And you were in the middle of that pack. You were, you were toward the front. So you know that there's the better part of 20 cars behind you. And they're not far behind at this stage in the race. And one of the things that you are supposed to be able to do as an F1 driver, the reason this is sort of a really high-skill profession, is you need to be able to keep your cool at moments where us mere mortals would probably be panicking and and making bad decisions, (laughs) but like you do need to be able to uh, stay cool and navigate situations like this appropriately. Um, And Seb doesn't here. And I find that really frustrating, but also like watching it happen afterwards. I just, I, I turned to my girlfriend. I was like, this is getting sad. Yeah, like it's there is an element of I do not want to see Seb like this anymore. Like it has stopped being funny. Um, yeah. It's he is making bad decisions. He is making bad errors as a driver, and then he is making bad decisions uh, as a sportsman and somebody in charge of driving safely out there and taking part in a dangerous sport. Um, and those th- those things appear to be continuing to trend in the wrong direction for Seb. And it is taught. Like I really like this. This was the race where I'm like, we got to get him out of there guys. We got to bust him out of Ferrari and either put him on hiatus or find him a new team. But like, this is, this is bad. This is, this is bad and getting worse. And um, this is not doing anyone any good at this point. The I was sort of thinking after the fact, because um, uh, I, I think in the heat of the moment, I was quite like, I don't know, you have that reaction, especially with what happened um, in F2, uh, you know, not, you know, just the week prior, but you have that initial emotional reaction to it. But even after the fact I was thinking about, it, I was thinking there's only been two times in recent memory where I think drivers should have been black flagged. And both have been Seb. One is when he rammed Hamilton in Baku. Yeah, I think that yeah. is. I, I don't. I still don't understand why he, why he wasn't reprimanded for that. And this was the other one. It just seemed um, selfish. I don't know. It's hard because everyone's racing for themselves and they're trying to, and it's such a competitive s- sport and everything. But just knowing how the 
the driving intellect that they have, you know that people are carrying a certain amount of speed into that first Ascari and they're going to be totally blindsided to anyone who's re-entering the track. And also everyone, like, there's there's not much room to get out of the way there. Um, so it seemed, and you could kind of hear it in his voice, like the timid team radio call when he said he had damage. Like, he was... You know, you can play into the wider narrative of what was happening this weekend as well. The young prodigy, you know, the Tafosi screaming him around the track. Um, uh, Vettel was the youngest winning F1 driver, uh, you know, in, in his day, all that sort of stuff. And you can sort of maybe play into the conscience of, of how Seb was feeling at that moment. But like, this this could have been real bad. Like, that's you walk yeah. away from this going, like, you know what? Stroll actually did a good job getting out of the way. And granted, shouldn't have done what he did either um but that we could have this could have been way worse this could have been at the very least like we didn't even have a safety car out of it right like it, it just kept going um but it was just kind of shocking to see yeah i think that's um i think that's spot on um somewhere in here mercedes pits for mediums and leclerc pits for hard tires which mm. is the the first sort of like okay here we go two two different strategies and, and worth mentioning that because of what you said about practice, there was rain on practice one and two. They only really had P3 to actually test out race pace um, in dry. So right. nobody knew. Nobody knew which way the tires were going to be at this stage. Right. Well, but uh, go ahead, Rob. You're talking about the switch, the Hamilton switch to mediums yeah. on lap 20? Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, two things before that, just real quick. Okay. Um, Albin stuck behind Magnuson. He tries it the by the rules way and as you might imagine it does not go well and eventually he misses the apex comes out ahead of magnuson uh i think it might have been at the first chicane i'm not sure but either yeah. way he missed an apex came out ahead of magnuson and just went um and never <laughs> yeah. looked back and the other interesting yeah, thing yeah. is once he's clear of magnuson i think he gained two more positions in short order he had pace he's being held up by magnuson he gains two more positions in short order and so at that point, the thing the stewards would have naturally done was just say, give the position back. He already kind of made that a dead let. Like, that's not happening. Uh, so what are we going to do here? And I am curious whether this was just sort of a gamble that they made at Red Bull or whether it was something in Albin's head. Did they just kind of figure, it's one thing to tell somebody give a position back. It is another to say... Well, you gained a bunch of positions you shouldn't have because you were trying to get around the widest motherfucker on the track. <laughs> um, so we're going to what? We're going to give you a drive-through or something? Like he kind of left. He kind of boxed them in. You're either going to give him a really disproportionate penalty, or yeah. something that will feel disproportionate, uh, or you're going to give him the wrist slap. And he got the wrist slap. I think they ended up giving him a five-second. Um, yeah. Uh, penalty, which he served on his pit stop, but which he had already made up by that stage anyway. Yeah, on that's the Magnus. bargain. It's the, it's the track position <laughs> argument. Yeah. It's like Genius. what's five seconds versus being stuck behind uh, Magnuson for you know ever. So I think that was an interesting uh, decision. And yet again, we had a phantom pit stop from Mercedes. Uh, lap seventeen, Ooh, yeah. the guys roll yeah. out of the pits with hearts, and then nothing happens. And I feel like this is the fourth or fifth time we've heard this season. They remind us of this rule every time Mercedes sends people out into the pit lane and then doesn't do anything. We're always reminded 
that you can't do bluff pit stops. Like if you send, if you put people in the uh, pit lane, you have to have at least the intention of bringing a car in. And once again, that didn't happen. And at a certain point, like, is there a body of work assembling where at some point Mercedes is going to do this and they're going to need the wrist slap? Um, because what, what I was expecting to hear was maybe a radio call where they would have at least flirted with the idea. Totally. Lewis, which happens hard, with, yeah. Yeah. And Hamilton and Ro- they have that back and forth all the time. They're, you know, where he he makes judgment calls, but I never heard it. I was wondering, did I, did you hear it? No, I never did. Yeah. Uh, and I was listening for it. So I don't know. It's possible Anthony Davidson, you know, sitting there with the full uh, radio feeds. Maybe he heard it, um, and, and it was real. But to me, it looked it looked sketch. It looked to me like a, a mind game being played. And I don't have strong feelings about this rule. Um, I think in general, the, they've made the pit lanes reasonably safe and having people standing in an empty pit box isn't really the risk. Usually it's uh, a bad exit from your own car. That is probably the scariest thing to happen in the pits. But if this is going to be rule, a rule on the books, um, then at some point probably want to enforce it. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of with you though. I, I, I could go either way on it. I kind of like the gamesmanship. Same. Uh, yeah. So, but if you could do it in a safe way, uh, I think you're right. Um, well, I think they are doing it in a safe way, but then we can probably just acknowledge that there's nothing too dangerous about having guys yeah. go and like do tire change cosplay uh, in the pit <laughs> lane. Uh, but instead, we got this rule because you don't want the fewer people you've got in the pit lane. Uh, any one time the, the safer it is overall uh but yeah i like I, I think we probably need to either tweak this rule or uh enforce it i don't know who was it you rob that was saying uh if you if you infringe upon that then you can't pit for the next three laps or something yeah did you you tweeted that did you it was a, i saw somebody tweeted that it was you or chain bear or someone i don't I was know like, that was, that's way too good an idea for me uh, <laughs> yeah that was chain bear. yeah <laughs> I like that one. All right, but uh, Mercedes does end up hitting eventually. They put on medium tires on both their cars, Bottas and Hamilton. Uh, Leclerc puts on hard tires. Mm. Uh, And as you say, we don't really know how this one's going to go. And on lap 23, Hamilton starts his attack. And uh, to his credit, he has stuck with Leclerc for since the beginning. Uh, Has not, I mean, he's gotten within DRS range. He hasn't dropped back more than like two and a half seconds. Um, And this is where he makes his move. So at... uh, Curva Grande, um, they, uh, Hamilton gets a run on Leclerc and then coming down into, I think it's a hard left. Um, Hamilton tries to go around the outside and Leclerc, there is not enough room (laughs) and Hamilton has to go on an escape road. And he he even says, uh, he didn't leave me a car's width there. He pushed me off. So, uh from my perspective it didn't it didn't look to me like we've seen uh Verstappen come under fire for this Magnussen come under fire for this where it's these these cheeky kind of like last second dodges to block somebody right um this incident and a following one later in the race to me it looked all like it was the plan all along for Leclerc to be on the line that he took. Like his lines are not jagged. They are very smooth. Uh, I'm not saying that he's not breaking any rules here, but it's just like, this is exactly what he intended to do. 
Yeah, uh, this, yeah, this reminds me of what Rob was saying earlier about the whole, like, look, we know what the rule is. Like, what type of racing do we want to have? Because what Leclerc did was, the line he took was completely fine as long as there's not another car there. But <laughs> right. if there is another car there, you can't just decide to squeeze one out. Even if you squeeze one out, squeeze one out. <laughs> if you squeeze somebody out over the course of 100 meters or you squeeze somebody out over the course of 200 meters or 250 meters, you're still squeezing them out. Like there's not really much um uh you know Hamilton can do. We know from his uh, his escapades in in Spain that he's not particularly good at driving on grass. So it's difficult to uh, to do something like that. Uh yeah, I I I think the results was fair that they told him look don't do that again like racing Robin is racing in F1 and in lots of other sporting disciplines and I don't think there was many people that wanted to see Hamilton overtake Leclerc at that point maybe um, but also you know I, I do feel like he's I think it's very telling that the after the race he talked about the Verstappen incident as when his mentality changed because it was a change in mentality. It was an aggressive move, um, which uh, luckily everyone drove away from. And he would have gotten probably in worse trouble had Hamilton not uh, driven away. And, that's, and that exit road and that second chicane is where many a car has broken, hitting the... the. I guess maybe they took got rid of the sausages there as, as, well, as well. I don't know if they did or not, but um, I've seen loads of cars wreck there. So, yeah, I don't know. He was he was lucky. What did you think, Rob? Yeah, I um, I think it's interesting you cite the um, you 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 cite the Verstappen incident because I agree. I think that that has loomed very large with Leclerc this season. And but the the funny thing is, so when he went right after Verstappen at the next race at Silverstone after after Austria, um, even there I was like, wow, he's maybe taking this too far. Like it was it was weird. Like Verstappen goes up to the edge like it really high stakes like uh moments the thing i saw from leclerc at silverstone uh crossed a little bit of a line for me if if i'm if i'm being honest and i think that happened a little bit here as well um there was (sighs) so I think there's a lot of people. I agree. It was a lot of people pulling for Leclerc to 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 hold off this attack, hold off this challenge. Um, but do we want to see it done this way? Because the the thing that bothers me a bit here is um, what ends up happening is they kind of end up racing through two corners, right? Um, it is they're, they're racing through the, the Curva Grande hmm. and Hamilton. Uh, I think checks the outside and then swings back to the inside when uh, Leclerc blocks blocks the outside. Right. Uh, so that might be you might be thinking of the second the second time uh, this happens. It's similar on the second one, except Leclerc blocks the inside as well. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I, for me, it was like at that point. Hamilton, I think, had a good claim now to the outside line heading to the chicane, and Leclerc cuts that line off too. Like so, mm. to me, it was to again. You could draw a racing line, or that is a that is a rational, yeah. correct way to take the track. But you know, you're in a wheel to wheel duel. The, to, to me, it was very clear. Like he wasn't going to give Hamilton room on a uh, Curva Grande, 
And then he knew Hamilton was in position to make another attack uh, at the chicane, and he cut that attack off too, uh, and sort of ran Hamilton off the road. And the funny thing is, I don't even think it was necessary. Like Hamilton executing that turn, executing that overtake at the chicane from that position would have been really hard to pull off. Not impossible, but I, I have a hard time. I think it would have been like where uh, it would have been like uh, Botas on the first chicane of the of the race, where you end up kind of pinned on the inside of the chicane and you can't get the clean exit from it. I think Leclerc yeah. was in a fine position, but instead he just throws this massive elbow um, following an entire sequence where he, to me, it's, it felt like he was moving around a lot. And... Uh, he already had the fastest car. Like that, that's the other thing is like, <laughs> it took a lot to get the Mercedes in a position to make the, make this move. Uh, and I wasn't wild about it kind of being completely waved off in that way. Because the thing is, it is the nature of these modern F1 cars. Hamilton didn't have another attack like that in him. This is the same yeah. reason that they ended up forcing, uh, the two, this is some of the same rationale for why Vettel got penalized in Canada. The idea being that, yes, he, he came off and came back on, but as Hamilton said after the fact, that was his one shot. Like, if, if Vettel cuts that corner and holds the position, he was never going to have to defend that position again because, like, there just wasn't enough left in the tires to, to pull it off. I feel something really similar happened here, and it left a, uh, I don't know, what's a bad taste in my mouth? Like, I, I, I think Leclerc's a very good driver, um, but... This bothered me just because it seemed one you didn't need to you didn't need to race like that, and two, um, I don't know. We're we're heading toward a he's he's Magnuson but in a faster car. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the stewards didn't do anything beyond showing Leclerc a black and white flag, which is basically a warning: don't do that again. Uh, personally. I hope we see more of those instead of penalties. Um, like a, we're watching you. And if they certainly, you know, if they do something like that again, I agree that you should hand them a penalty. But for these sort of where we're at with the wishy-washiness of the rules and the the vagueness, uh, I think we need a sort of half step here. Um, I, I forget where I read it, but I was reading somewhere recently that they, there was a concerted effort to bring that flag more in yeah. that, to, to, for it to act as a yellow card, effectively. Um, yeah, Massey even I, said I, that. Right, that's what it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, was, so. it was like the black and white flag uh, should be regarded as the yellow card, mm. um, which I get, but again, it's just a different sport. Like, you have these narrow attack windows... It's, yeah, a, it's a very stop. easy yeah. calculation it's, to make. It's like it's another tactical thing, like Stroll um, or like a Albon going past Magnussen, right? Like, mm. it's yeah. A, yeah. It's, uh, all right, lap twenty-eight. Signs retires with a wheel issue. His uh, team does not screw it on properly. That'll happen. It, yeah, and it has. Uh, lap thirty. Kvyat pulls over with an engine problem. Big shame. Um, yeah. And then uh, the next thing I've got is lap thirty-six. You guys have anything you want to point out? Yeah, this was the uh, uh, Leclerc's um, little lockup right through the chicane. Yeah. Kind of comes under a little bit of pressure. Um, yeah, Again, I don't know. Hamilton not, not backing off. He, he sticks with him. Yeah, this is just the Albon Magnussen situation, except reversed, I guess, because Leclerc's obviously ahead. Um, took a chunk out of uh, the little bollard there, or the, 
the sausage, I guess. And thankfully, maybe probably damaged the bottom of his car, but didn't seem like it, anything else uh, was going on. But I guess he 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 lost enough momentum coming out of that that uh, Hamilton was able to again really get on his back down Curva Grande, uh, and Leclerc did that thing that like that I th- I thought we gotten rid of this thing where you just kind of you do a bunch of movements, but you do them slow enough where you're kind of like. You're trying to get rid of the slipstream for the person behind you, but you're also kind of like you're doing a double move, but you're doing it over a long enough distance that it doesn't maybe look like a double move. Um, but he definitely he moved like at least twice um, entering the second chicane and 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 stopped Hamilton from getting past him. But like, yeah, I don't know. It's it's I I really do, still don't know how I feel about. it. I think the first incident, I think he was in the wrong because he effectively forced a car off the track. When it comes to this stuff, I'm like, ah, you know. <laughs> You know, I don't know. Like you want, you're, you're trying to win, right? You're trying to the. It, it's like with Verstappen and Vettel, and maybe with Magnussen, where drivers understand who they're trying to overtake and the mentality of the person they're trying to overtake, and then there's all there's a beauty in them figuring out how to get past different people. Um, but it was interesting, Leclerc. I think maybe that win the last week wasn't you know, was tinged with enough sadness and here in with the Tafosi screaming his name and everything, he just really desperately, desperately wanted the win and was willing to, you know, drive dangerously to get it. I don't know. I'm not sure how I feel about it. Part of me feels cool. That's, you know, racing. And then part of me feels like, well, that's that's how people get hurt. So I'm still really not sure how I feel about it. Uh, Hamilton behind him um, for a lot of this race his tires uh, have just started to go so when you're behind another car the commentators talk a lot about when you're behind another car in front your tires uh, get chewed up much quicker and it took me a while to figure out what that actually means it's not the air chewing up the tires it's because you don't have uh, the downforce from clean air to stick your tires to the track and so Instead of sticking to the track, your tires skid around the track much more, and that's what eats up your tires. Mm. So uh, Hamilton told to try to keep the pressure up uh, as much as he could, but at lap 42, uh, he goes straight at the first chicane, um, and Botas, who is right behind him, uh, uses that opportunity to pass Hamilton and now has 12 laps to catch Leclerc and is lapping faster. He's only two and a half seconds behind. And so yeah. we get uh, some some good tension in this this last part of the race. Uh, last, And the next thing I have is lap 51. You guys have anything? Yeah, at that stage, it was all eyes on the front with Botas was gobbling up Hamilton. Hamilton's lockup made it sort of a non-issue, I guess. And yeah. then it was just Will Botas. But what did they say? Hunt him down or something they said. Yeah, the, the, like, this yeah. is your win. yeah. Go for it. And then Votas did what Votas does. <laughs> Got really close and then overcooked it on, on one turn and ruined it. Yeah, and oh, the look on Toto's face yeah. was just oh. like, come on. I, I, if, if they hadn't announced him already for next year, that, the look on Toto's face would have told me, oh, they're not going with Votas again. I feel, I feel like this was... This was this was old Valtteri. You know what I mean? Like he's he's been razor sharp this year, or he's been more he's been sharper this year, especially the first few races. Uh, the sort of mental, you know, quibbles people had with him about his you know his ability to deal with the stress of the moment. I thought that we sort of like lost that with some of the wins he was getting. Um, 
maybe it was just I don't know Hamilton did the same thing four laps earlier or whatever so maybe maybe it was just the tires were screwed for him too uh, he was on mediums as well yeah but uh, yeah it was just a shame because he was so close to getting it and then just he basically like did the same thing he did on lap one and just kind of took the wrong line overcooked it a bit and ended up losing all that time and there just wasn't enough it was three laps left so yeah I mean I saw like I saw I saw like a Toto's face too but to an extent there's also an element of uh, you know, gee, what are you doing to me here? It's a, I'm only just freezing engine development until we run the new the new spec engines in two years, and, and letting you guys deal with the uh, rapidly improving Ferraris and Hondas by yourself. Um, I like what it, it did not look as good as Lewis looked. Certainly, uh, Lewis had, had given uh, had managed to stick closer to Leclerc. Uh, con- like considerably closer, he looked a lot sharper through through a lot of that. He also had started from uh, closer proximity. Valtteri was eating up the distance a long time just to get into striking distance of those guys. Um, it would not surprise me if he had gone through his tires pretty aggressively just to get to that point. I don't know, you know, his his, his tires were younger, but he'd also just made up a ton of ground. Anthony David said Davidson said something interesting that um. He said he felt like toward the end, you were starting to sense that all these guys were getting their engines managed pretty aggressively. That it was that they were all trapped in sort of uh, matching cycles of energy harvesting and then attack mode, and they're all sort of reacting to each other on that level too. Uh, so, to an extent, like how much of the uh, energy storage did Valtteri burn through to close that gap um, and then how much did he have left how much was he getting weird uh, like breaking properties because of the harvesting uh, as he closed up and was trying to stick close there, there's a lot of things that I don't know how to evaluate what was happening there at the end of the race here's something else that's weird um, at the very end when the horses basically bolted um, they tell Valtteri we're giving you uh, more engine yeah. power that's weird. And Hamilton had asked for more engine power during his pursuit of Leclerc as well, and they didn't give it to him. And I guess my like the thing that I was kind of left wondering is what were what were Mercedes holding back on the engine power for? Like, you know that that that, that was the weird thing to me is that both their drivers were were asking for more power, and yeah. uh, you always think it's a reliability thing. Maybe but I mean they've had the, engines explode with this new spec, so I, I wonder mm-hmm. if it's just like mitigation for the constructors' championship. You know, like we can't run them for for more than a, yeah, a couple laps because yeah. we don't want to blow up and lose this big haul of second and third. So yeah, and they're happy with no, second and third. Yeah, right? give up give up the 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 first place. To uh, to come home in second and third. In, in in saying that, they also let Hamilton pit to get the fastest lap. So yeah, I mean there was a, there's always and there's always an element as we saw with signs of uh, of going into the pit. So yeah, an element of risk there too. So yeah, it was. Hmm. But yes, yeah. Charles Leclerc, winner of the Italian Grand Prix. Uh, really cool to see him so excited on the radio, uh, animated yeah. when he jumps out of the car, and of course every the, the whole country of Italy just going nuts. Um, that was really fun. I, I didn't stick around for the, the, the podium celebrations, but I guess uh, he, he threw a string of Italian at uh, Martin Brundle. 
Yeah, that was that. In, that was in the pre, wasn't it? No, I, it, was, I watched it was right after I was on the podium. Yeah, right. Brundle asks him the you know standard how does it feel question, and he's like, "Mind if I answer in Italian?" And then just like deliver a brief keynote uh, <laughs> in, in <Love> Italian, <laughs> uh, which I imagine went over pretty well. Probably the best Italian we've heard since uh, Felipe. Uh, right. You know, talking talking to the fans. I'm sure Antonio Giovinazzi is pretty good at Italian, but probably maybe he won't get that opportunity. <laughs> Uh, also on the podium, Valtteri Bottas and Lewis Hamilton in third. Just off the podium, Daniel Ricciardo and Nico Hulkenberg coming home in Ooh. fourth and fifth, bringing uh, Renault a total of 22 points. Alexander Albon gets home in sixth place, followed by Perez. Verstappen made it up to eighth. Antonio Giovinazzi scoring two points. And Lando Norris coming home in tenth. Behind them, out just outside the points, Pierre Gasly, Lance Stroll, Sebastian Vettel made it up to 13th place from literally the last position. Uh, George Russell scored, well, not any points, but 14th place. Pretty great yeah, for Williams. Well. Uh, Kimi Räikkönen in 15th, Roman Grosjean in 16th, Robert Kubica in 17th, and uh, Kevin Magnussen retired during the race. I don't remember if they told us what that was for, um, mm. but Kvyat and uh, Carlos Sainz also did not finish. That leaves us with the driver standings. Lewis Hamilton on top with 284, Valtteri Bottas with 221, Max Verstappen with 185, Charles Leclerc jumps Sebastian Vettel into fourth place with 182, Sebastian huh. Vettel's got 169. Pierre Gasly with 65, Carlos Sainz with 58, Daniel Ricciardo's got 34, tied with Alexander Albon, and in 10th place, Daniel Kvyat with uh, 33. Hulkenberg and Raikkonen are tied with 31, Perez has 27, Lunoris with 25, Stroll's got 19, Magnussen with 18, Grosjean with 8, Giovinazzi with 3, Kubica has 1, and George Russell still with no points. Constructor-wise, Mercedes has 505 points. Ferrari in second with 351. Red Bull's got 266. McLaren in fourth with 83. But Renault now in a solid fifth place with 65 points. Scuderia Torroso drops to sixth with 51 points. Racing points got 46. Alfa Romeo with 34. Haas, Gene Haas, and team, 25 points. And Williams <laughs> still has the one. While we're on uh, standings here, yeah. our fantasy league... 10th place, G's Mercedes driver team hedged by Ferrari <laughs> is in 10th place. 9th is Fred the Tires. 8th is Bo to the Future Part 3. 7th is Maka F1. We've got 6th place, Defcon 1. 5th place is Mercedes all the way. In 4th is Dragon Ball GT. Then in 3rd, the Hamiltons break the system. Number 2, steering wheel, hey, hey, give it to me, move, come on. And number 1, <laughs> Rich Volt F1 energy team pending foreclosure. Wait, where's Alpha Emojis? Is it still there? Alpha Emojis had plummeted to 14th place. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I also got an email about your pronunciation of Bois to the future. It's not Kimmy enough. Oh, sorry. We don't like the Bois to the future part 3. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Uh, speaking of Rich Volt Energy, let's take it to oh, the God. news, fellas. Oh, Jesus. Do we have to? <laughs> <laughs> uh, all I know about this is uh, the, the tweet that the official Haas F1 team put out. Anyone else have any more information about this? Or should we just read the press release? 
I just read it out. Can I read it out? Go for I it. I just like, I want to put the cap on this whole fucking situation. Haas F1 team and Rich Energy have amicably <laughs> sure agreed to end their partnership together in the win the FIA Formula One World Championship with immediate effect while enjoying substantial brand recognition and significant exposure through its style of partnership of Haas F1 team in 2019. A corporate restructuring process at Rich Energy will see the need for a revised global strategy. <laughs> yeah, sure. Subsequently, Haas F1 team and Rich Energy concluded a termination of the existing partnership was the best way forward for both parties. As F1 team would like to express its thanks and best wishes to the stakeholders of Rich Energy. That's it. Uh, That's it. Uh, what is that? It. I hope so. Look like a bunch of fucking wankers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also in our uh, our news bullet points here, Pastor Maldonado was on Formula One's official podcast, Beyond the Grid. It's a really good episode. I highly recommend. Oh, cool! Uh, Haven't listened to it. Uh, everyone listen to it. Pastor is an interesting guy, of course, uh, and he's uh, you know he's one of our favorites. Hmm. Um, I'll also put some links in the show notes to that Formula Three crash that we talked about. Uh, again, everyone uh, is okay. Alex Peroni walked away. Um, and I guess uh, on on that note, uh, we also had a pretty good analysis of uh, Antoine Hubert's crash from Chain Bear. In case people are, are needing a little more um, information about that, he does a really good, uh, a, a respectful analysis of, yes. of what happened. Sensitively um, handled. There's no actual images or video of the incident, and he sort of does it in a way to help people get closure, I guess. Like, yeah. I actually think it's, a, I think it's very well handled. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'll put that in the show notes as well. Um, and then uh, uh, still, still more sad news on the back of that. Um, Juan Manuel Correa, the other driver involved in that accident, uh, is apparently in a, a medically induced coma now. Uh, he's um, uh, still in critical condition. Uh, does anyone else have any uh, uh, information on this beyond that? Mm-mm. Okay. Let's wait and see at this stage. Said it was something to do with... Um a chest issue was it or a respiratory a problem respiratory yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which yeah. uh is bad not quite as bad as it sounds um but uh, it's it's a common complication after um like high velocity yeah high impact or, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, accidents um so uh, basically there's a lot of damage to tissue in the lungs and you have uh like bleeding within the lungs and uh, you know, obviously, that uh, basically makes respiration uh, very, very difficult, and it requires significant medical intervention. So, hmm. well, yeah, on a- our thoughts, our thoughts with him and, and and his family and everyone. Hopefully, he'll pull through. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, on a lighter note, everyone is making fun of Nico Rosberg, and it's great. <laughs> <laughs> Danny, I think, uh, or or is this this Rob that put this on here? Yeah, did you put it on, Rob? Yeah, I read I did, the Jalopnik article. Seen it, right? Yeah, it's fantastic. It's just basically everyone uh, uh, ramming on Rosberg for basically turning into a YouTuber. I'll pull out this one quote um, that Max Verstappen said, which is absolutely just he just totally grills him. Uh, Verstappen says he's got no charisma and he doesn't uh, get to work anywhere. Maybe he also wants to make money with his YouTube channel, but then he could have been better off driving because then he could have earned much more money. Um, I've just watched uh, a whole uh, stream of um, Max Verstappen and... uh, Wait, who is it? Who is it that does the... Yeah, Lando Norris. Lando Norris is just... He's such a lad. He is, like, all about the bants and he, like, loves Twitch and he's kind of 
amazing and also kind of terrible at iRacing. Um, and the, I, like, I bet it's a PR person's nightmare that that they are because they're just like chatting and cursing and shit talking people and just like having mad bants on twitch uh with with max you have to watch it i'll send you i think i sent you the link let's just stick that in the notes as well okay yeah all right that's uh that's the world of formula one but should we take it around the world danny i think it's probably time to race around the world. We got so much racing. We got the World Rally Championship at uh, Mar ooh, Marmaris, Turkey. We got <laughs> Gander Mountain Trucks at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway for the World of Westgate 200. World of Westgate's my favorite MMO. I'm playing World of Westgate Classic right now. It's a real throwback. <laughs> uh, DTM is at the Nürburgring, if you are DTM. Uh, we have the NASCAR Xfinity race, uh, the DC Solar 300 at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Supercars are at Pukehohe. We have gotten pronunciation <laughs> corrections in the past for this, and I can't remember <laughs> what it is. For the ITM Auckland Super Sprint, uh, IMSA WeatherTech Championship is at Laguna Seca this weekend. MotoGP is at Misano. Uh, the NHRA is at Maple Grove Raceway for the Mopar Express Lane Nationals. The World Rally Cross Championship is at uh, in Latvia for the Nesto World Rally Cross. Awesome. And we got NASCAR. Where we're going this week, Drew? Well, uh, they and their brethren are all at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway for the oh. South Point Hotel and Casino Las Vegas <laughs> 400. I like that you have to say that any hotel in Las Vegas isn't also a casino. Like, <laughs> right, you got to specify. I go in, I, yeah, you feel, I feel like you need to specify if it's not. Otherwise, I'm, you know, by default. Uh, if you'd like to send us emails, shiftf1podcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at shiftf1podcast. I am at Drew Scanlon. That's at Rob Zachney and at Danny O'Dwyer. Uh, if you'd like to support uh, the show, Danny? Yeah, patreon.com slash shiftf1. Go do it there. Uh, we're in a bit of a rush this week, so uh, I have some emails. We'll get to them next week when we do our little pre-Singapore, right? Yeah, that's right. Next. Awesome. Uh, the one last thing I want to say as well is uh, the F2 race was really, really, really good in Monza. A lot of uh, back-of-the-field action getting to the front, so go check that out if you're on F1 TV. Fantastic. Anything else, Rob? Nope. All righty. Uh, in that case, have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. Yeah.